BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This episode of Check the Locks is brought to you by our friends at Great Lakes Kids Apparel. That's right. Great Lakes Kids Apparel offers affordable, wearable, and playable clothes for your little one to enjoy. Plus, Great Lakes Kids Apparel is a mom-owned business, so you know your kids will love these clothes. And Great Lakes Kids Apparel offers fast, free shipping on orders over $50, not to mention amazing customer service. So head over to GreatLakesKidsApparel.com or click the link in the show description and use promo code LOCKS to get 20% off your first order today. This episode of Check the Locks is brought to you by our friends at Audible. Audible is your one-stop shop for audio entertainment where you can always find the best of what you love or discover something new. That's right. Audible offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre, from mysteries, thrillers, biographies, and of course, true crime. And as an Audible member, you can choose one title a month from their catalog to keep forever, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. Audible members also get access to thousands of podcasts from popular favorites, exclusive new series, and this very podcast you're listening to now. Plus, the Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere. While traveling, working out, walking the dog, doing chores, Audible makes listening anywhere easy. And best of all, Check the Locks listeners can try Audible for free for 30 days. So head over to audibletrial.com slash checkthelocks or click the link in the show notes to start enjoying Audible today. Warning, Check the Locks podcast is a true crime podcast and may contain graphic descriptions of violence, murder, sexual assault, and more. Check the Locks podcast is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome back to Check the Locks presents True Crime for the Short on Time. As always, I'm John Connor. I'm Olivia Cornu. Saying thank you for joining us this week as we dive into yet another bite-sized, truly terrifying true crime case. Olivia, before we jump in, as always, good to see you. How have you been? I've been pretty good. You know, the week's been going good. Life's been great. Nothing too exciting happening. How are you? I am doing great. Just making it through. I'm ready for the holidays. Getting real close to December, so just ready to spend some time with the family, 
enjoy Christmas, things like that. So, And celebrate my birthday month that's coming up. That's right. Your birthday month is coming up the whole month. Are you a birthday month person? Like, do you celebrate the whole month? I don't because Christmas is there and New Year's. So I have to share a lot of my special moments, but that's okay. I am a birthday day person. You will hear about it. I am all about December 5th is my day, is my day to be about me. I don't usually work, but this week I'm working. But I like my day to be all about me and I can do whatever I want because it's the only day of the year that is especially for me. Listen, I completely understand. Valentine's Day is on February 14th, then my birthday is on the 16th, and then my wife's birthday is three days after mine. So I'm not the kind of guy, I'm very self-deprecating. I'm not the guy who's like, it's my birthday month, but on my birthday, I do like to you know, kind of do what I want to do, or I always take it off work, you know what I mean, just so I can enjoy not having to do anything. It's, you know, it's your day. You should be able to do what you want to do, you know? Exactly. Exactly. I'm 100% a supporter of celebrating birthdays. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit closer to your birthday, but happy early birthday. Thank you. Well, Olivia, this week is a short on time episode, so we got to get into it. This week is my case that I am bringing. So do you want to hear about it? Should we just jump in? Yeah, I do. I'm excited to hear about it. I've been wanting to know about this, and I kind of thought it was something that was older than it is. So I'm very interested about it. Yeah, I'm the same way. I had seen this story kind of pop up in different places, but I just never really taken the time to dig into it. And so when I was researching, I was like, let me find out what's going on here. It seems really interesting. And uh, there's been some big developments here recently. So I thought it'd be a good one to cover and kind of jump into. So this week we are talking about the Delphi murder. So if you're listening, you may be familiar with it. If not, you know, this may be something that's new to you, but definitely wanted to kind of jump into it and, and see what the listeners think. Well, let's go. On February 14th, 2017, the bodies of Abigail Abby Williams and Liberty Libby German were found near the Monin High Bridge just east of Delphi, Indiana. Abby Williams was 13 and Libby German was 14. The day before, on February 13th, the girls had been dropped off for a hike in an area near the bridge. During the hike, Libby posted a photo to Snapchat of Abby walking across an abandoned train bridge. They were reported missing when the girls didn't arrive at the spot where they were supposed to be picked up. Police immediately suspected foul play. The girls' bodies were discovered on the edge of Deer Creek around the middle of the day after an extensive search. Police believe that the teens may have met their killer on the Monin High Bridge. On February 15th, state police asked for the community's assistance in identifying a man they believed to have been hiking the historic trails at the time of the murders. They released a photograph of a man wearing a navy jacket and blue jeans. Later, the photo was confirmed to have come from Libby German's cell phone. Authorities set up a tip line and immediately calls began to come in. On February 22nd, police released additional information to the public, including an audio clip of a man's voice saying down the hill. It turns out that Libby had caught a 43 second video of her killer. Later that year in July, police released a sketch of a potential suspect. The composite showed a man with a prominent nose and goatee who was wearing a hat under a hooded sweatshirt. The sketch that was done was compiled from information provided by all of the agencies that were working the case at the time, including the FBI. But then things went quiet. Okay, so I have a couple questions. So I'm assuming either police had Libby's phone and that's how they got the photo and the video, or did her parents have her phone? Like, how did all that pan out? Do you know? So in the research that I did, it doesn't say specifically, but I believe that the police found her phone at the scene. Okay. And as we go through, I think it'll make a little bit more sense as to why. Okay. Um, 
but I believe that's where it came from. Okay. Well, let's keep going because, I, like I said, I really want to know about this case because I never looked into it. It was just always around. Yeah, definitely. So Indiana authorities continued to work the case, but no further information was released until 2019. So, you know, roughly two years later. In April of that year, police released a video clip from Libby German's phone, and in it, a man can be seen walking down the same train bridge as the one in Libby's Snapchat post. Now, what was really interesting and I think was a special call out for me is that the Indiana State Police said that Libby was a hero because she had the wherewithal to recognize that somebody was following her or approaching them that shouldn't be and was smart enough to pull out her cell phone and get an audio clip and video of this person that they believe attacked her. So for being a 14-year-old girl, that's really having your head on a swivel. And if they were going to make any ground in this case, it was going to be because she was smart enough to do that, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, I'm very brave of her as well. Incredibly. Now, at this time, another sketch was released, but it looked drastically different than the first. Then, in December of 2021, state police asked for help in finding anyone who may have had contact with the teens on social media. They believe someone may have been using a fictitious profile to potentially lure the girls. They were especially interested in finding out the owner of a Snapchat account named at Anthony underscore shots. Authorities later learned that the account was run by a man from Peru, Indiana, Keegan Klein. Klein would use the username on Snapchat, Instagram, and more. He used fake images of a male model to solicit explicit material from underage girls. Police were able to locate him, and when interviewing Klein, he said that he literally had no clue how the girls died. He didn't know anything. He didn't have anything to do with it. In his words, he did acknowledge that it was a weird-ass coincidence that he had happened to talk to her like he got that. However, Klein was never charged as a suspect. Though he was arrested for his relation to child exploitation and child pornography after admitting to owning the social media account. Another man, Ronald Logan, was also looked into. He lived a short distance from where the girls were found and his property was searched. In the warrant, it was noted that Logan's voice was not inconsistent with the man in the video and that he did fit the physical description. But like Klein, Logan was never charged in the case. He died from COVID in 2020 at the age of 82 years old. So thinking about the parents, thinking about the community, because this is a small town. It's only like 3,000 people. So it's a pretty small town. So thinking about the parents, the people in this community, when you find out like, okay, you're looking at this guy, then you're looking at this guy, but no one's ever charged. I can imagine it's a really frustrating thing to go through. Yeah. And I just want to mention this guy was 82 in 2020. So he would have been what, 78, 79 in 2017 when this all went down. That seems like a large feat for an older gentleman to to kill two teenage girls. Yeah. And I guess stranger things have happened, but you know, if he wasn't charged, there was probably a, a real reason. Yeah. Yeah. And this is an ongoing thing. So there's not a whole lot of like, well, this is why, and this isn't because they're still continuing their investigation. But I was kind of thinking the same thing. I was like, a 79-year-old man might be hard to overpower, you know, a 13 and a 14-year-old or, you know, they may be able to outrun him or something like that. You know what I mean? But who knows? In 2022, police finally caught a break. Richard Allen, a 50-year-old Delphi resident, was arrested on October 28th, 2022. Allen has been charged with two counts of murder and the deaths of Abby and Libby. Authorities and the community were shocked to learn that the suspected killer was one of their own. Additionally, Klein was a pharmacy technician who worked at the CVS in the town. And again, this is a town of roughly only 3,000 people. 
He would also develop film for customers who visited the store. In fact, Libby's grandmother, Becky Patty, has told reporters that Alan developed photos for her granddaughter's funeral. Now, this becomes really concerning because someone like Alan, if he is in fact the killer, he would have access to personal information like what kind of medications are you taking when somebody's sick, things like that. And then additionally, if he is processing your photos, he now gets to see these very potentially intimate details of your life, you know, and he's doing this for everyone in the small community. Now, at this point, police haven't released any evidence to the public yet, but it is believed that the killer took souvenirs from the crime scene. Additionally, eerie photos of Alan have actually been released. One photo was of Alan's daughter in the exact location where the murdered teens were last seen. So he has a photo of his daughter walking those same train tracks. Another photo shows Alan posing and smiling excitedly in front of what appears to be the second police sketch that was released. So when you talk about like things being creepy, right? They haven't released why they think it's this guy yet, but there is a photo of him in front of the sketch and he's just smiling from ear to ear. And the picture, once you have everything in your mind, I mean, it's definitely like, doesn't seem like you're ashamed. If you're the guy who did this, it doesn't seem that you're ashamed of it. Yeah, I think I would be steering very clear and very far from anything related to this case, especially if he was one, if he is the murderer or two, if he had nothing to do with it. But like, you don't stand there and smile in front of a police sketch. Like, that's just like, hey, look at me. This is me. They got it pretty close or they didn't. Ha ha ha. Joke's on you. No, I'm definitely there with you. It just seems like a weird kind of picture to have. You know, like if you didn't have any connection to it, like, why would you even keep it? Now, shockingly, it was reported on November 22nd of this year that Allen may have had an accomplice. In a preliminary hearing, prosecutors shared that they believe that Allen may not have acted alone. Now, again, as of now, the prosecution has been very tight-lipped about any evidence that they have, but we can definitely circle back to this one with any further updates. The trial is actually slated to begin the beginning of 2023, so we should have some more updates over the next couple of months. But that is where we are as of now. So before we get into our little mini deadbolt test for this week's episode, Olivia, after going through the story, hearing all the details, where is your mind at right now? What are you thinking? I feel like I have to follow this now. This is not at all what I thought this case was going to be about. I had just assumed that it was like more of a an old school, like Dahmer type case that I just had maybe never heard of. I didn't realize it was so recent, but this is so intriguing and I just need to know how this pans out. And I hope, I wonder if this is a case that will be like on the news channels or media will be allowed into the courtroom so that way we can kind of follow what's happening. And then I also wonder why they're not releasing any information on like what they have against Alan that has him arrested and like why they believe it's him. Like what's the evidence? I'm not sure if they are keeping it kind of tight lipped so that it doesn't get out to the media and to the public. Because, you know, you have to go through discovery and share everything that is asked for with your uh, defense attorneys when you're a prosecutor, right? Like you have to share that evidence. So I don't know if they're just trying to keep that evidence low. Also, if they believe that he may have had an accomplice, if that person is still alive or they have some idea of who that person may be, it could be that they don't want that evidence out to kind of indicate that they're looking at this person specifically or something of that nature. So not sure 100 percent why, but they're definitely playing it close to the vest. Well, I appreciate you bringing this case. Because, like I said, I've seen the name. I've seen it all over social media. I've never taken the time to really click on it and, like, dive into it. Because, you know, once you go down that rabbit hole, you can't really get out. So I was glad that you did. I was really shocked to hear that it was, like, a recent case. 
Yeah, I was there. Like I said, I've seen like little headlines and stuff about it, but I just hadn't had the time to dig into it. And it really gripped me right away. And we can talk about that a little bit more when we get into our deadbolt test. But I'm going to start with you after going through it. Where would you put this on your deadbolt test for this week? Well, the fact that this happened in 2017 and technology is so strong and they have the Snapchat evidence from Libby's phone and that's not solved yet is very scary to me. I feel like murders should be like solved right away since we live in 2022, almost 2023 right now. I think that this could have been an attack on any woman. So it kind of puts it up there. I think this is like a, a seven for me. I also have a couple concerns as to why someone dropped off a 13 and 14 year old girl to go hiking near these abandoned places. I know I don't think I was doing things in woods or in nature alone at that age. So that was a little concerning to me. And maybe there's more to that that we just don't know. But yeah, I would say this is about a seven. Where do you stand on the deadbolt test? Yeah. So for me, I'm going to put this in nine. And I think part of this is looking through a father's lens, but, you know, thinking that I am like drop my daughter off for a nature hike with one of her friends. And, you know, to your point, I mean, this is a small town, so I don't know, you know, if this is just something where up until this point, like nothing like this has happened and it's just not something that you have to worry about. And then all of a sudden it's become like, oh no, like this even happens here. You know, I think we talked a little bit about that in the Willie Inman case where it's like these small towns where nothing really ever happens. And then when it does, the shockwave is just that much bigger, you know? Yeah. But Looking at this through the lens of being a father, I drop my kids off to do something that they may have done a million times before, and then they just don't come home, you know, and thinking about Mm -hmm. how that would just destroy my world, you know, and then to think that this guy has been in the community, you know, has maybe filled my prescription or looked at, you know, pictures of my kid's birthday party, you know what I mean? Like if he's developing a lot of photos with this being a small town, you know, I don't know. He knows enough about everybody in the town. Right. And, you know, this may be a a lot of older folks who are still using traditional film and stuff like that. You know, it was very unsettling as I was going through it. And last night, you know, I wrapped this up about 1230 and I had to put something on. Like I watched The Office after this because I had to like have something kind of wash out of my brain. So it stuck with me immediately. So I'm going to put this at a nine. Well, it was a very good case and I can't wait to hear more about it. I know we're going to have to do like a special episode where all of the cases that we have looked at in these mini episodes, we kind of come back and do those updates on Mm -hmm. because there's so many of them. There's like, okay, we're just waiting to find out what happens. So, so that is where we fall on the Delphi murders for this week's deadbolt test. Olivia is putting it at a seven. I'm putting it at a nine, but we want to know where does it fall on your deadbolt test? You can reach out to us, Instagram, check the locks pod, Twitter, check the locks. If you are not in our Facebook group, what are you doing? Head over to Facebook, click the link in the show description, join. We would love to have you as part of our community. Let us know what you think. We also have a Patreon. If you're interested in financially supporting the show, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash check the locks or click the link in the show description. You can sign up from there. We've got stickers, t-shirts, all sorts of cool stuff that we're doing. We would love to have you. If you cannot financially support the show, that is totally fine. Listening means just as much, if not more. So thank you for taking the time to hang out with us, listen to the show this week. Please share it with your friends, your family. We want to grow this community absolutely as much as we can. This is a short on time episode. So that is all that we have for this week. Join us next Wednesday as we go through yet another bite-sized, truly terrifying true crime case. And don't forget to join us on Mondays for our normal Check the Locks episode. We will see you again next week. But until then, don't forget to check the locks. See ya.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.